mind goddess happy saturday i'm just chilling here with graham waiting for a mate um wanted to share a little bit of a story with you it's about graham <laughs> um and pretty much sure people like him more than me which is totally fair because he's way less annoying um but yeah so this week he fucking went missing and can you hear him he's clawing the fucking couch so my couch cost sixty dollars for this reason because he has mauled the side of the couch like i have to cover it with a blanket so you can't tell anyway um but he's back and he's clawing the couch and i'm so happy about it he went missing this tuesday which was cup day um for those of you who don't live in melbourne it's basically we get a day off so that people can get real dressed up get really pissed and watch horses race and sometimes they die and it's a whole thing um don't really get around it but i do enjoy a day off so we went to yoga which is what i like to do on my days off um and graham had gone outside for a wee wander so he is primarily an indoor cat right because he's a burmese and he's a bit precious and he's a bit flash he doesn't really like going outside um however he went out for a little bit of a run around um this particular day and he just didn't fucking come back and i got a bit upset and um he's he's fine just to clarify he's fine he's back he's clawing um but he was missing for about 12 hours which is like a first for him and yeah i freaked the fuck out i thought he was like dead or fucking stolen or just anything bad possible that could have happened to him i imagined it um but the reason that i want to share this is because you know i was talking the other week about acceptance and finding your crew and people that get you and people that like genuinely give a fuck about you and this incident obviously was pretty stressful pretty upsetting at the time but the positive i'm taking from it is that it made me realize like how many people give a fuck about me um and him <laughs> maybe more him but that's okay um and you know offered to help me look um messaged me and asked if he was okay if i was okay if they could do anything um, my coach made me fucking posters to put up um and it's because of those posters that he actually was found um he ended up uh you know i got a call about 9 p.m um from a neighbor saying that he was hiding in their garden and he was like 200 meters down the street like cowering in a bush <laughs> um yeah so he's totally fine um doesn't really seem traumatized by the event but yeah i guess i'm just like super grateful um that i have such good people like both in my community um you know i had like strangers um from facebook like messaging me and you know being like is this him is this him like sending me like photos of cats that have been found in other areas and stuff obviously it wasn't him but um yeah just like having people like genuinely care um you know my neighbor helped me door knock put up posters my boyfriend came around after work and helped me look for him and basically just like let me cry like a fucking five-year-old at the thought of like losing him <laughs> and like didn't take the piss um so that's amazing um yeah so just super grateful and it kind of made me think now this is really sad but whatever i'm just gonna say it um made me think like he graham is like the most constant presence that i've had in my life since moving to australia um you know like i've had different careers relationships homes um all of those things have changed so much um but i've had graham for about four years 
Um, and yeah, like I know this sounds really silly, but he's he's like the one constant thing that I've had in like half the time that I've been here. Um, whereas nothing else has been. And the thought of not having that, um, yeah, was just shit. <laughs> but it's fine because I do have him and he's okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. And we are both very grateful, um, yeah, to feel the love from everyone this week. So that's super cool. Um, also, <laughs> I got him a harness and a lead. So today I am going to try and walk him outside and it's going to be hilarious. And there will be video footage that I will post on Instagram. So look forward to that because that is happening. But yeah, so that was what happened this week. Um, but today we have a guest uh, coming on and I'm very excited to introduce him to you guys because there's a really cool story of how I know him. Um, his name is Martin Heppel. He is co-founder of The Resilience Project. Now, if you don't know anything about that, it is a non-for-profit organization um, that focuses on, um, I guess, like teaching skills around mindfulness, gratitude, resilience, I guess, improving mental health. And um, they put on seminars, um, they do like corporate uh, school organizations, like stuff like that. And basically generally try and improve wellness. And I fucking hate that word, it's the worst. So I really apologize for using it. I'm gonna challenge Martin when he gets here to describe it without using the word wellness, because I'm sure there's a better word, fuck that word. It's like organic, so terrible. Um, really sorry for using it in the sentence. Um, but yeah, so he's coming on, he's gonna be here in like 10 minutes. So that's fucking cool. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. All right, we've got Martin. Hey, so how are you? Hey, so good. How are you? Good, thank you. Real good. <laughs> Do you want to, um, firstly, just say who you are? I've given like you a little bit of an intro. Yeah. You won't know what it is though. So That's cool. I I'll... challenge you yeah. to introduce yourself. Um, <laughs> I'm a different unit. Did you, I'm not sure. No, um, I, no, I, I don't know. And, uh, what do I say? I, I work for the Resilience Project. Yes. We teach um, positive mental well-being strategies. Well-being. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Because when I did the intro, mm -hmm. I used the word wellness, and I fucking hate that word. Yeah, it's all right. It's gross, right? Yeah, no, it's... You it's, don't you like it? I'm not saying I do or I don't, but you can use whatever you want. It's See, all cool. well-being sounds better than wellness. Yeah. I, well, I, we, I, we, our goal is to basically give, you know, people strategies to put into play that um that can support them through adversity but also yes. give them you know an opportunity to be resilient to be happy and um and that's what we're after so been doing that for four years prior to that was um yeah primary school teacher assistant principal and then um before that was you know it was a bit of a bum played a bit of footy um went to a private school in melbourne got spoon fed but i grew up in borneo so i grew up with um with some headhunters called the E-Bun and... Um, Headhunters is a gang in New Zealand. Is there really? Well, I didn't is grow up with them. No. no, no, these guys were actually, they took heads. So. Oh, they literally took heads. Yeah, they took heads. This, so this is like a biker gang. I think they sell meth. Oh, okay. No, no these guys hadn't had any meth. They have Tuak and Arak, and that gets you pretty messed up. But uh, no, so grew up with them. My dad's an anthropologist, so we lived in Borneo, um, Southeast Asia. So that sort of shaped my brother and I in terms of, our outlook on life but yeah that's basically the background 
I'm very fascinated by the headhunters thing. Yeah, no. Well, um, my mum, my dad's is an anthropologist, so he studies the culture of human beings. Yeah. He's English, mum's American, they're in the UK. Dad wanted to do some basic um, further study, and you go off and you, and you study tribes. He identified a tribe in, in Borneo, in, in Sarawak, which is part of Malaysia, called the Iban. And the Iban were Dayaks and so and were headhunters up until like the late 60s. And so mum and dad lived with them for about three years, flat stick, um, rocked on up, you know, didn't know the language. They'd never seen an Anglo-Saxon before and lived in a longhouse, which is a you know, large communal area on stilts, bamboo slats. And um, you live off the land, man. So blowpipes, hunting for wild boar, uh, chickens give you the eggs. Um, just before the chicken's about to cark it, eat it rice patties and they did that for three years and then my brother and I were born and then they took we basically went back there back and forth between there and other parts of Southeast Asia Jakarta Indonesia uh, and then Canberra originally in Australia and then Melbourne and then basically came back here when I was in year eight and sort of had a longer stint because my brother and I were going through high school Uh, but that's basically been a background and we've gone back and forth there dad goes back all the time we're starting to go back every year uh so and we're really fortunate uh to grow up with them. amazing people phenomenal kindest people you've ever met in your life and then yeah and then um just um yeah that that sort of was the background and, and my dad started collecting their artifacts and so and then that became his passion and that was you know, 1969, and it's still his passion to this day. And so, um, you know, Mujab and Umpan and Gajah and Liat are all the people that were their best mates and sort of became part of their family and and sort of, I suppose, changed the way they saw the world. So mum and dad were, went to boarding schools in the UK and the US and elsewhere growing up, and um, they didn't want Mal and I to be brought up the same way they were brought up, sort of in a punitive way. Um, consequences always for your actions, stuff up, you know, not grounded, but their version of being grounded. And so their, their view was to have a zest for life. Um, and, you know, when you when you stuff up to learn from it, not to fear failure and know that failure is every day and it's going to be happening, And but it's just a growth point. But also to have an environment where you're, you're happy and you're comfortable talking about your stuff ups. So therefore you can learn about them. But if you're always scared about, you know, communicating about them, well, you're not going to be better the next time you're in that same situation. So that's sort of how it unfolded and then played AFL footy and I you know, played like seven games at St Kilda in Melbourne, didn't make it, wasn't good enough. Um, went over to South Australia, played over there, met some wonderful people, travelled around the world for you know, a couple of years with my brother and stuffed up every day and then um, came back and then worked out that um, I loved working with kids and was working with Camp Australia and um, you know, other places and coaching sport and then went back and did primary school teaching and that's sort of how it all led to um you know grade one five six teacher assistant principal um at Auburn primary in Hawthorne and then um and then was fortunate enough to be approached by Hugh Van Collenberg who started the Resilience Project and then he said do you want to have a crack at this and so I've been doing that um with him for the past four years so we work with primary schools secondary schools corporate um you know the staff the parents obviously and then um and then sporting clubs just teaching them um through presentations ongoing sessions about you know what we all can do to support ourselves to be to be happy you know and it's we focus on gratitude empathy and mindfulness 
you know, kindness linked into the empathy and then talk to them about, you know, the things that we all can do um, every day to, to put into play, to have a big part of our game plan, to be embedded, to support ourselves, you know, when it, whether it's a good day or a bad day. It's fucking cool. Yeah, no, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's, and we're passionate about it. So, and I, I, like, it works well because I love the kids. And that's where I'm, I'm real. I'm not saying I don't like adults. I love everyone. But, <laughs> but kids, I love, you know, in terms of the working with them um, and giving them just a heads up that, that, they're, that they're awesome, that they're normal, um, that if they're going through some heavy duty stuff, that they're not inferior, they're not weak, and neither is an adult. It's just at that particular moment in their world or mine, we could all benefit from some, some strategies to put into play. It's exactly like, you know, with you, with your training, you know, you, you go in and, and you've had to work on it, you know, and that, and that was your journey about, you know, when I go to your website and I read about your stuff and you, you talk about how, you know, you were an average athlete and then all the hard yakky you had to do to get average. to it. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, a bit less average. But, like, but, the, but you've had to put in, haven't you? Yeah. And, that, and that's the same for anything. And it's just about putting in. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be, and we're not saying, you know, dedicate your life to it, but it might be 10 minutes a day where you can do something, focus in on the things that happened, the small wins during the day that were good, that give you those positive emotions, and then remember that and know how you can get positive emotions in the future. And we're not saying every day is a good day. We're not saying, you know, oh, you know, forget about all your negative emotions. You've got to experience them. You've got to live with them. It's how you function well, but... When the time is right, if you know what to do to flip those emotions, there's things that you, you, if you're aware of, you can have a crack at and it put into play and away we go. Yeah, I think um, working with children, like it, I mean, when I was a child growing up, like there was nothing, nothing of this. There was nothing about gratitude, nothing about mindfulness, well-being, any of that stuff. I was brought up really religious, and the school that I went to was very much like, you do this, you get punished. This is bad, you get punished. You can't talk about this. You can't say this everything was taboo and restricted and bad and you got you know the strap and you got your mouth mm. washed out with soap and all mm. that kind of stuff um so you end up with this like really overwhelming fear of like being honest with it, with your feelings yeah. and at the time like you don't really think about it but as an adult now i found that that's made me really anxious and really afraid to open up with in relationships or in, in an instance like that where it's super important to be able to and so I'd say that a lot of people who like I'm 33 so you know people who grew up in the 80s 90s kind of era they're not getting that so they end up getting really fucked up as, a, yeah. as an adult uh, right yeah and I, I talk when I do like um prezos to adults I, you know I talk to them I say did whoever it was that brought you up um, did they ever talk to you about their failures? And if they didn't, I'm not giving them grief, but if they didn't talk to you about their failures, how comfortable are you to talk about yours? And it's because it hasn't been modelled to us. It's not natural. And our, a lot of the time, like what, we, what I see is that all a kid wants, they don't want an iPad or a bloody banana lounge at Club Med. They just want their parents. Now, for circumstances that a lot of, you know, we can't control, sometimes that's not a possibility. And that's, but like, they, we need... Kids need someone in their world that's got their back, someone in the world that loves them, shows them that they love them, emotion, yeah, both physically and verbally, but then also tells them that, hey man, you can tell me anything and you're not gonna get nailed for it because they just wanna be heard. And they're a kid and they're gonna stuff up. And for us as adults, we're gonna stuff up as well. And when we're in an environment when we can talk about it and be vulnerable, we can be vulnerable because we trust the outcome. And trust the outcome is that I'm not a, I can talk about this and I'm not fearful of the consequences. But what quite often happens, and it's embedded from our youth, as you said, it becomes part of our DNA. 
we don't want to talk because if we have talked in the past, there's a consequence to it. And then we fear that in the future because we've done it before and we got burnt. And that might be like, and that's like when you see people with relationships, you open up to someone and they burn you. So what happens the next time you're with someone, you've got a bit more of a wall up because you don't want to open up to that another person because you did previously and that person burns you big time. Yeah. And so it's about knowing that that not every person, not every human being is going to burn you, but that's bloody hard to do because that takes guts. That takes courage. Yeah, it's like playing fucking Minesweeper. Oh, no. <laughs> Big time. It is. So bad. Yeah, it is. And so it's about you having the faith. You know what? Oh, there is someone out there who's going to have my back, who's going to allow me to be vulnerable. And when I share the information with them, they're not going to burn me. But if your history is being burned, then you start to think that that's what the world is. And for a kid, and what we're saying to parents when we talk to them about, you know, you know, a kid being resilient, they've got to go through adversity. Now, if they don't go through adversity, you cannot become resilient. But our issue is if, as a parent, we don't want our kids to go through adversity. We don't want them to stuff up because we want them to succeed. We want them to get those good marks so they can get into the private school. And it's about allowing the kids to know that it's okay to stuff up and and then to be able to talk about it because you know like you know like I've got two I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and man like when the time is right they're going to hear my stories you know now I'm not going to tell them my bucks party stories or anything like that (laughs) when they're six years of age but I'm going to tell them about the ones that are appropriate and as they get older they're going to hear about everything because I want them to know that 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 you know, I've, I've stuffed up that many times, it's not funny, you know, and, and I wish I could have done things differently and I, I don't know if I could go back in time and, and I don't, and like, actually, if I went back in time, I wouldn't do things differently because I wouldn't have learned the bloody lesson. Well, that's what I think you too. I mean? Often about things in my life that I perceived at the time to be negative yeah. is I wouldn't change them now because if I see all the positives that have come from them yeah. and so, so right now if something negative happens, I just try not to freak out because I'm like, I was just talking about this earlier about mm-hmm. Graham going missing earlier this week yeah. and the positive that I took from that was how much support I saw around me and how yeah. like grateful I was for that and to be yeah. in a community of people that like cared about yeah. me and him um, and it, it's just it made me feel so secure and so loved yeah. and so that's the positive I can take from that so I tend to look for those things instantly that mm. I never used to yeah. so I think teaching people that the, the bad things lead to the good things yeah. rather than like end of story, game over yeah. kind of situation because so many people have that mindset. Yeah. But it's really hard to change because it's such a fixed, whether it's been from your childhood or just nobody likes to fail, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're so right. And what we fear the most is change. Like, and, and we do because, and you think about it, kids are really good at adapting. They adapt flat stick, yeah? It's, and... Um, Their growth it's, mindset, yeah. Totally. And, yeah. and so you've got that. And when... And, you know, fixed versus growth. And it's about being aware that, you know, that there's an opportunity to, to, to grow from this. And, that, you know, hardcore cases, they talk about post-traumatic growth. Yes. So it's when you go through. I wrote a blog yeah. about this. Did you? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. you know all that. Like, so, and that's, and, and when, when we talk to people about that, we're not saying we want you to go through the trauma. Because the post-traumatic growth is quite often something that you wish never occurred. Oh, of course. And it doesn't mean go out of your way to no. have something fucked up happen to you so no. you can grow from it. Like, that's silly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like I have done that. No, but like, but, but, well, that's, well, hey, everyone's different. You can do what you want to do. But like, I, I, I suppose it's knowing that 
you know, whatever the situation is, in time, and time is different for all of us. And what I mean by that is, you know, through my work, I've met some families, you know, when I was in rural Victoria and they'd lost their homes. And four families were, 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 were grieving because their homes had disappeared, you know. And I've, you know, mate, I'd be struggling big time. But there was another family and they were okay. Now, for whatever reason, they weren't stronger or more resilient or anything like that. They just were okay. They were at a stage in their world where they could cope with that better than others. Now, and that was in their circumstances because of prior experiences they'd been through. So for them, this wasn't the biggie, yeah? But like when you meet a kid in primary school, their first traumatic event might be their pet goldfish passing away, you know? And, but there's another kid who might have lost their father or their mother. Now, you can't, I, like, I, I can't go to the kid who's lost his pet goldfish and say to him that you've got to toughen up because at that moment in time, he defines that as a traumatic event. Now, I could say, look at the other kid who's lost their parent Mate, that's hardcore, but they won't see that because that's not where they are at that moment in time. Because at that moment in time, the goldfish, that's the one for them. So it's about being aware that we all have, I suppose, different definitions and different experiences of what trauma is, you know? And so, for instance, someone else might lose their cat and, mate, the cat's been doing their head in and they've been thinking of ways to get rid of it and they're, they're doing star jumps, you know what I mean? And they go out in the community and put up, I've lost Graham, but really they go, please don't bloody find him, don't find him. You know what I mean, though? I oh, know that would never happen. No, but, you, but, but like, yeah. but do you understand? Yeah. Like, so we've all got, I suppose, a different take on what it is. And so for you, an event might occur for you now that for someone else like me, I'd be in a hole, but for you... You might be in a hole for a day or so, but because you've been through it before or something similar or you believe something worse, you get out of it quicker. Yeah. Whereas for me, I've got to take my time to process it, to work my way through and to deal with it. Yeah. I think it's it's hard to, because well, people you know will judge you on that and how long it yeah. takes you to get over something or how big a deal you make out of something. But that's so specific to the person and their prior experiences. Yeah, so just because you think this person should get the fuck over this or this person should leave that relationship or whatever it is that you're judging them on, like, it's not really fair because you don't know what they've been through and you don't know what, like, triggers that they have and, yeah, how, exactly. how big a thing that is for them. Yeah. You're yeah. enjoying your cup, by I way? am. The cup is out of control. We have it's to very shiny. Take a wee segue to mention <laughs> the cup. So I've, it's been brought to my attention that my cups are filthy. Okay, not this one. So, Just as I took a sip. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a bit of clag. <laughs> Furball from Graham. This is a beautiful gold teacup with like a matching saucer. This is my new guest teacup because it's been brought to my attention that my cups are very fucking gross. <laughs> so if you look at mine, this is one of the better ones, but you see it's got like a layer of grime. I'm, I'm okay with grime. I've got no well, issue. So the new guest cup is a gold clean yeah. teacup with no grime. Well, I apologise so, to future guests who have to drink from the cup that I've drunk from. <laughs> So I feel for them, you might have to get a new cup. New cup every time. Well, I feel like I'm on the verge of having to get new cups rather than cleaning them properly. But anyway, um, I digress. So I just had to mention the cup. Um, so anyone who's on here next will also get to use the good cup. There you go. The clean cup. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, I also did want to discuss how we met because yeah. this is quite a cool story. Um, and you've been like a, like a massive inspiration for me. 
um, basically just from our first meeting, uh, which came about when I was asked to put on a seminar for the Lawn Genome Conference, which is like a big science seminar um, with international speakers um, who are very smart, like doctors and people who know a lot more than me. And then there was me. Yeah, I'd say you know a lot more than in many areas as well. Well, definitely not in these areas. So (laughs) just to give you an indication of the level of stuff they were talking about. So the woman who was on before me uh, was talking about how to get your research paper submitted to like one of these scientific journals. Yeah. And I was just like sitting there like in the front row, like just waiting for my turn, basically like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> like, and everyone's like nodding and, you know, writing down notes and it's all very serious and, <clears throat> and et cetera. And I'm like, the fuck am I going to top this? Like, how, <clears throat> this is a completely different thing. <clears throat> uh, so to go back a little bit. So when I was putting like together what I was going to talk about, um, I was talking to one of my friends about it and she said, oh, you know what? I'll put you in touch with Marty Heppel because Resilience Project, blah, blah, blah. You used to be headmaster at the school that her kids went to. So that was how she knew you. So put me in touch with you. I sent you an email being like, hi, I'm trying to do this thing. It's kind of similar to what you do. Um, can you have a look at it for me? Give me some ideas. And you were like such a legend, like absolutely. Let's have a coffee. More than happy to talk to you about it. So stoked. Anyway, so I brought my little laptop along. <laughs> It was, it was that gold it was one. This, it was this laptop. It was. Um, took you through my little slideshow presentation. By the way, it's evolved a lot since yeah, then. Yeah, every, every press yes, I does. Right? Yeah. And um, I've since realized that this this format and also my writing, I prefer a lot more than the whole seminar mm. format because it feels a lot more, um, oh my God, I'm going to say organic again. Mm. <laughs> I was just talking about words I hate and organic. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> and, but it's a lot more like, when I was doing the seminars, I felt like I was super rehearsed. Yeah, it's scripted. Scripted, right? Yeah. And I'd, I'd feel like I'd say the same thing so many times that it didn't sound genuine. Mm. And like, fuck that. Like, mm. I want to be genuine. That's like mm. my whole thing. So anyway, you, you talked to me through it. And I think like the most, um, like the most mind goldish thing that I got from that conversation was I was telling you about how I'd done like a pilot, which was basically like a test run of the presentation with like a bunch of people that I knew um and asked for feedback accordingly and some of the feedback I got was just from one particular person um saying that I swore too much Mm -hmm. right and so this made me question like my whole personality Mm -hmm. and I was like oh fuck do I should oh should I not swear and I just swear like all the time like Mm. I'm not really trying to swear I'm not trying to shock anyone this Mm. is just how I talk Mm. and so I just talked as I would normally talk Mm. and even some of my slides had swearing in them right Mm. and I was like oh no I've got to redo the whole thing trying to think of alternative words to say trying to practice sentences without saying fuck or shit or whatever Mm. I was saying and you're like mate just be your fucking self like that's why that's why people want you to speak to them because you're you if you try and change anything that you're doing you're not being you you're not being authentic mm. and i was just like ah. yeah and I, <laughs> but I, I think that's a like the, the, the thing that I, like i had to sort of get my head around initially early on when i was doing this is like when i like when i present I'm, I, I go flat stick like i i talk quick I'm not doing it deliberately. That's it's just, just how you talk, it's though. the way I roll. Yeah. And 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 I, I got like I used, I got some like email and he got personal, basically just ripping into me, 
Because, um, you talk fast. because I talk fast and I walk around on stage. And I had another person come <laughs> up to me and go, you do everything that they taught us at uni not to do and I was about public talking. Uh, and I was like, well, mate, I, I haven't done any courses. I'm just me. And I, and I think yeah. the thing the thing you got to, when I say you, not you, but we, what we really crave in this world of Instagram and whatnot and driving down, you know, Swan Street in our, in our you know, leased up Range Rover is that <laughs> we, we want everyone to, to look at us and to say to us and to judge us with affirmation. Hey, you are kicking it, man. Have a look at you. You are the one. And what one we've got to understand is that not everyone's going to like you. It, it can, it's impossible. You just cannot have everyone like you. It's just no way it's going to happen, man. There is no way. Like when I do presentations, I've got people who are right in. Yeah, they're all in. I've got others who've got their arms crossed and they want to smack me in the face. Yeah, and that happens regularly. And it took me a, a little bit of time, but I worked out that I'm up there trying to encourage kids and adults to accept each other for who they are. And what I do know is that everyone that I've met who is happy... Everyone who I've met who, when it hits the fan, get through it, right? Even though it's really tough, more often than not, they are content in their own skin. And the ones who are not happy in their own skin are the ones who are always struggling because they are always trying to please someone, whether that be through their career, through the house, through the pad they rent, through the car they drive, through the holidays they take and take on Instagram, through getting into that nightclub, not this one, going to that restaurant, not that one. That's what they all are after. And when you break it down, and I'm not giving grief because mate, we're all at different stages of our journeys, but there's some insecurities there that they are worried about and they're trying to fit in. And I suppose the message that we're giving to the kids and to the adults is, mate, you be you and your crew will support you and have your back. And if someone doesn't like the way you roll, then respect them for that and allow them to have those feelings and emotions, but also know that you don't have to hang out with them every day. Our issue is that we're, like, if we're on social media the whole time, you get one person writing something on there, and I've never met them before in their life, and they have an affair they can crack at you. And then you take that to heart because we scan the world, a lot of us, for the negative. And what I mean by that is like, there's a lot of research about how if, if, you, if you receive a number of forms of feedback, that are positive, you then get one that's negative, people walk out of the room and they, they just stare at the negative. That's what they focus on straight away. And then they're worried about that. Someone's told them, mate, you do this, you do that, you do everything well, here's a part of your game you could work on. And then they walk out and they don't even think about the stuff they do well. They don't, they're worried about that one that has been told, hey, you swear too much or whatever it may be. Yeah, so 100%. you go straight there. And uh, yeah, as opposed to, man, you bring your A game every time. You show heart. You are genuine. You are you. You're proud of who you are. Mate, you go up there. You say, judge me for whoever you want to judge me for, man. But I'm going to look at myself in the mirror when I go to bed tonight and know that I was me. And that is a gift if you can do that. And that takes courage. But it's also, once you get there, it's the hardest journey, but it's the easiest thing to do once you're okay doing it. Because you don't have to try, man. You're not trying anymore. You just have to be you. Yeah. It's a piece of piss. <laughs> just got to be you. Yeah. But for some, that's really hard. And you think about it, you go back to what we're talking about at schools, you know, what you said, the strap, you know, 
bloody washing your mouth out with soap. Be you, be you. Go to a private school. What is it? Conform, conform, conform. Top button done up. Mate, I'm not giving private schools grief, man. I went to one. But you know, everyone dressed the same. Then we go down Punt Road. We go anywhere else, Swan Street. Everyone wants to feel the same. You want to fit in, yeah? Because when we fit in, we feel part of the community, all right? But the issue is that, man, like for anyone... Uh, the best show they could watch for me, there's two. There's Bluey on ABC Kids, right? Which everyone's talking about at the moment, but it's been unreal. And it's just about cartoons. Cartoons about this yeah. family of dogs. They just look out for each other. That's as Charles. The other one is Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I watch that on Netflix, and I bore my eyes out. I do every I seen every that for years. mate. It's not it... not the old one. Don't oh, watch the old one. It's a new one. Okay. And what they've done is they've basically gone out and said, you know what, we've got five good blokes who are going to go out and help out other people. And a lot of these people are just in a rut. You know, and, and they go out there and, 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 you, and I, you know, they're helping a, a girl, you know, in, in, um, in Atlanta in the US and she's African-American, she's a lesbian and she's dealing with racism, she's dealing with homophobia when she came out, she basically got kicked out of her house by her foster parents. Her her maternal mother gave her up for adoption. She just feels abandoned, you know. And here she is. And then these five strangers come in, and um, for the first and she's got a couple of mates. But the first time in a long time, she feels like she can be herself. Now, like we, we we've all got we're all privileged in this world because we have got an opportunity to support other human beings to be themselves. And I'll be damned if I'm going to go in a room and start telling everyone that they've got to dress away or own something or be something. They've just got to be themselves. But, you know, a 90-minute presentation doesn't always get them to that point. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I think that's the hardest journey we're all on. Um, But once we get there, mate, it's bliss. It's absolute bliss. Do you find, though, once... like, Do you find that you have moments when you're not there, though, still... Like where you let negative feedback creep in and you yeah, let other people's judgment hundred percent because I'm sensitive. I care what people say. Yeah. But then it just takes me time to process it, whether it's five minutes, fifteen minutes, a day, and then I'm done with it. But I've had to practice that. Yeah. You know, but that's that's I mean, without doubt, like you know, like um, pardon me, I sort of sip from the golden cup. Um <laughs> that that like, you know, you get if someone has a crack at you. I'm not saying you just it, it, you wipe it off straight away because that I don't want that to happen, but I do know it's gonna happen. Um, but I also know that other people are going to come over and say you know nice things. But it's about knowing what, what I say to myself, whether it's simplistic or not. Whatever, whenever I whenever I go and put myself out there and and and, and waiting for the judgment, the judgment comes every gig I do. I say to myself, I whatever happens today. I go home and Jen loves me for who I am. My Daff and Flash, my kids love me for who I am. My mum, my dad, my brother, his wife, their three boys, all my mates, and they're spread out all over the world. I wish I saw them more, but they're all over the joint. Um, they all love me for who I am. And I'm not saying I'm a good bloke. I'm not, I hope I'm not a bad bloke, but I'm just me. And, and so whatever happens in this room, I'm going to be me. And if you don't like that, then... That's who I go home to. And I'm okay with that. Because I know how much love I have for them and how much love they have for me. And it's a bit like what you were saying before about when you lost, you know, Graham disappeared. You were, you know, it sucked. 
But what you found is that when you walked out here, you realised you had a community and you had people, whether upstairs, next door, whatever it may be, who cared about you, cared about Graham and knew the impact of, you know, what Graham was to you and losing him for a couple of days. How long were you losing for? Oh, it was only 12 hours. Yeah, still, man. You, yeah. you peak, right? And so, and so, but then you know you've got that. So every time you do a presentation, whoever it is, and I'm not just saying the people here, you know, throughout your family, work, whatever, close friends, no matter what happens, man, they're not going to burn you. Now that, that's the one, remember. But what our issue is nowadays as well is that we're not making the effort to continue to see our mates because we think we're connected through social media. Yeah. So we come home and they say, do you want to catch up? And you go, oh, I can't be stuffed, had a big day. I'm going to kick it on the couch, log into Netflix, and away we go. Yeah, got my Apple TV, bull, yeah. Yeah, but instead of going, you know what, I am tired, but I haven't seen her or him or whoever it may be in you know, a couple of weeks, I'm going to make the effort. And we've got to do that. Because that, that face-to-face human connection is so important for us because we're wired to be with other human beings. You know, and and I, like, I, I struggle with it. You know, like I live in Hawthorne and, and I, you know, Jen gives me grief because I talk about community and everything like that. And I, like, I'm, like, I feel like I'm not really a, a Hawthorne type of person. You know? No, but, no, you're not. You're not. But, you know, and I'm not giving <laughs> Hawthorne people grief. I love, I mean, I, it's my hood. I grew up there. Yeah. And, you know, and I rent a house at... You know, I read it when I was still working at the school that I worked at, and I love all the people, but there's some people in the in the neck of the woods who've just got different um, motives, yeah. different drivers in their world. Like I walked down Glenfrey Road in a pair of Vans, Bordies, and you know, I look like I've just come from the skate park, you know, um, and I'm not too concerned about the way I look, yeah. But other people are, and that's okay. I'm not giving them grief, but I'm just not on that same page. Well, that's the same with me living here, and you know, you talk about. Swan Street and you know going out and yeah. drinking and all that kind of stuff mm. I don't do any of that I just happen to live here yeah you know um but I definitely used to get around that I used to go out not really here but back in New Zealand mm. so it's the same thing like I have friends that do it I don't judge them for their choices yeah. if they don't do that that's fine but I don't really feel like the need to conform with that and I'm quite happy like last night I was home in my track pants at like seven o'clock and mm. I was like that all I want to do tonight is uh, think about our chat today um clean the house and eat some sweet potato chips yeah with, with Graham and like yeah. I just don't give a fuck and yeah. it occurred to me that like I never have people messaging me asking if I want to go out um but that that's okay yeah 100%. because I would much rather like have a coffee have brunch like yeah Train with yeah. someone else, and and when and when the time is right that you do want to go out, you know you've got people you can call upon, you know. And I think, I yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, like for us, you know, and you go through different stages of your world. Like Friday night for us at our home is is movie night, and my son Gordy, he he goes mental. Like he goes bunte. He goes, mommy, daddy, is it movie night? Movie night? No, mate, it's not movie night. And then when it's movie, night, it goes movie night. And like, mate, we watched Kung Fu Panda last night. You know, and I've seen it a lot of times, but I don't mind. I reckon Jack Black's a man, yeah? Yeah, he's pretty good. And, and so, you know, it's just different things. But I'm not, I know there's other people who I've got friends who aren't doing that and they're out and about, but that's just what it is. But if I want to see him the next day, and I, quite often I need to, I've just got to make the effort. Yeah. Just got to make the effort, man. And you're right about social media. You think, like, you like someone's photo, you, you know, whatever, that's kind of like you're keeping in touch, but you're not really. Like, it's such a two-dimensional, meaningless form of 
communication, you know, um, and I think what I've found, like, the older I've gotten, like, the less, like, the less bigger circle I have, but also the more intimate the relationships I have have with people, because I'm like, you know what, if all you want to do is talk about training, then that's fine, Mm. um, but I'm probably not going to, like, share anything else yeah with you yeah you i mean it's, it's like anything with transition like for me i, I don't know i've been a lot of like my my like I've, i suppose it's been like a almost like i've broken it down in four years you know what i mean like playing footy for, for you know around about like trying to play it sort of seriously for about probably about six years and then traveling for a couple of years and then studying for four years and then being a teacher for four years and then you know being you know at, at leadership at a school for four years um doing this for four years so maybe it's coming to an end i don't know but but like every time i've changed like i've dropped out of contact with certain people but the ones who i have kept in contact with it's been a two-way street and i've worked out that they value my friendship and i value theirs and as long as you make the effort you don't lose contact with them you know and so i've got my i don't have i've got mates from everywhere you know, from, from school, from from playing footy, different places, from travelling overseas. Like, we still keep in contact with these Italian legends. Twelve blokes we met in a youth hostel in Greece. And we met them only because they missed their plane. and um, No, the ferry, sorry. And then they had to wait a night to get the next ferry the next morning. So we went out and got mangled. And we all were, <laughs> and we went, we, we, and we, they didn't sleep. We were going bunter for like... I mean, 12 hours, dog, one of my best mates, my brother Mao and I, and then these legends, these legends from Reggio Emilia in Italy. And this is back in 1998. And you guys are still mates. And then we went, so then we went through Italy, we went and stayed with them. They rolled out after one night, one night on the piss, and then we stayed with them for about four or five days. And then from that moment until now, 20 years later, we still are friends with them. Keep in contact, see each other as much as we can. And then, you know, you know, you got people who I've met through school, elsewhere, you know, through my wife, you know, her mates, whatever it may be. But it's just making an effort, man. It's yeah. just making an effort. And it's just and, and what gets hard as you get older is making that effort because we've all got different priorities, whether it's, you know, career, family, um, you know, and whatnot. But it's just we need human contact. It's massive. Like right now, mate, I've, I've seen you one other time, yeah? And then the other times, messages or whatever it may be. But, mate, just this is helping me. Just hanging out with you. How just good is that, ch- right? Yeah, bloody earth. Just having a chinwag, man. Yeah. Having a chinwag. Scored a free tea as well. You did. Like I'm on, yeah? But like, fair <laughs> deck, man. Come to my house, mate. I'm scrounging for tea, yeah? So it's like, it's just, again, getting off your ass on a Saturday morning or whatever it may be. And um and exploring your options with your human being friends that you got and animals animals are massive. No, I'm not taking the mic seriously. No, like, like I was just talking like, about how Graham is like the one constant oh, I've had in my life for the last four years, despite like so many changes. Yeah. And I think that was why like the thought of like losing him was just like super fucking traumatic because I was yeah. like, but he's but I've slept with yeah. him in my bed like every yeah. night for the last four years, yeah. like. What do you like? He can't be gone yeah. because that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. And he sits on the couch with me. Yeah, and, you know, I fucking talk to him and uh, he like watches me take a shit sometimes. Yeah, and like I'll miss that if yeah. I don't have that. Bloody hell. no, it's so true. I mean, and there's there's a lot of corporations and schools now getting dogs into the workplace into the into the you know environments because um you know dogs in terms of 
the impact they have. There's people who experience trauma, heavy duty trauma, who have dogs as companions who basically jump on their lap because they can sense when they're getting anxious. Well, that's like great. It's amazing. If yeah. I'm having a shit time, yeah. he just knows. Yeah, exactly. That's phenomenal. I mean, they are like, so yeah, anyone out there who, who might think they're lonely, um, there's options that you've got. You've got, you, you can go get a pet, but also you can go join a club. And I'm not saying it has to be fitness. Um, Cam, who's, who lives two doors down from me, he's an Italian bloke, he's about probably 80 years of age, lost his wife a year and a half ago, two years. And every time I see him down the street, he can't talk because he had a stroke. And a lot of people say, I can't talk. So, mate, we're on. Like We communicate really well. It's all body language, man. And what we do every single time is we hug each other. I just walk up to him and give him a hug. And at the start, when I first did it, he thought I was a different unit. He was like, hey, man, <laughs> personal space. But now he loves it. You know what oh, I mean? And yeah. so it, I just run up to him and give him a hug. But he knows. And I say to him, mate, I'm two doors down. It hits a fan. You're knocking on my door. I don't care what time it is. And then he has his kids come over who are the same age as me now and they come over every Wednesday night and when I'm at home we go over and we sit with them and they cook up these insane you know pasta deal um, meals and you know he has this organic wine that he brews himself and every time I go there he makes me have two glasses and it hits me mate like it is epic this stuff it gives you serious hairs on your chest and I go home and Jen thinks I go over there to get blind and I don't <laughs> but, I, I, but it's just about going and seeing him but what he has had to do is he's now worked out right I don't have my wife with me now. What else can I do? So he explored and he found out that in Burundara, where we live, the community there's a community bus that can pick him up every single Friday and they take him to a venue and all these other blokes with him and ladies, they play cards. And he didn't know any of them. Didn't know any of them at the start. And now he goes in there and I always give him shit. I like, I check his sleeves. Are you cheating, mate? What's going on? You know what I mean? And he starts having a giggle. I say, how much money are you going to take off him today? And they don't bet or anything like that, but that's one thing that he looks forward to every week. And because he's got that in his life now, he's got hope because he's optimistic. Because he knows that if he's lonely on Thursday, he can wake up Friday and he's getting on the bus and he's going to hang out with all these people that he's met and he's not going to be lonely anymore. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and it's getting that thing. It's like, mate, it's a driver. That's my driver to get me out of bed. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, a couple, four weeks ago, I think it was, um, when I was living in Adelaide, Regurgitator and the Foves loved them. If you don't know who the Foves are, go and check them out. Yeah, they're wicked. Coxie lead singer, best shit talker you've ever heard between songs. And Regurgitator, I love. And we'd go see them in Adelaide all the time when I was, you know, 21, 20, oh, 22, 23, 24. Yeah, and awesome nights. Find out they're playing at the Gov in Adelaide about four weeks ago. Yeah, so last time it was nine, you know, twenty years ago, and um, and so I bought tickets for 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 my mates, and I just said, boys, we're going. And I bought another mate of mine from here. I bought him his ticket, you know, an airplane. Fruit. We got on Tiger, mate. They were tip top. Got us there. Got us back. And we went there, and the four of us went to this pub called the. Finden, never been there before in my life. If you, I don't know if you ever listen to this in South Australia, but go to the Finden on a Saturday. 
We walked in and they had happy hour. It was at 3.30. I was like, boys, we're going to load up. Load up. I'm tipping it's going to end at four. We're going hard here. And I went up to the bar and I said, when does happy hour finish? He was goes, one of those three hour ones? Yeah, no, he goes, 8pm. What and the I, fuck? I was looking around at the boys going, boys, it is on! So we just loaded up. And the beer was horrific because it was off the tap and it wasn't clean. You know, you know it was a dodgy pub, but I loved it. It's Dirty my type cups. pub. Yeah, all that. Right. Gold, right. Golden teacups. Poor form. And... Um, and so, we, and I'm not endorsing getting blind, but um, we did. And, um, and we had the time of our lives. We then went to the Gov and we watched Regurgitating the Foes play. And we were, you know, we we're 44 years of age, mate, and we we're in the pit and we we're just bouncing. We're dripping like pigs. We're hugging each other and we're telling each other how much we love each other. We then caught a, we got, went home. We couldn't get an Uber because no one would pick us up. Fair enough, I wouldn't either. Yeah. We then walked home <laughs> um, back to where we were staying. We sat at the front of our Airbnb for, I reckon, about an hour and a half and just talked the best shit ever. And it was awesome. And I got on the plane the next day with my best mate from down here, Dulce. And, um, you know, and, and um, we had the worst hangover. And we tried not to spew on that plane the whole way back. And we came back and we paid the price for the next week. But God, it was... <laughs> so but do you know what? It was worth it because now that's provided us with humour for, like for last month. And not only that, yep. it's pro- <laughs> leading up to it, I'd, I'd, te- I'd ring Kazi and Haas, my mates over in Adelaide, and I'd say, boys, four weeks to go. Are you ready? Start doing the prep, man. Start doing the prep. Get the stories flowing. You better bring your A game. It's going to be story time. And we were all looking forward to it. What did that give us? It gave us optimism. That's, it gave us hope. I've got, it said, hey, I've, I've got, got something at the end of this. Yeah. Up as well. like, yeah. What just, is it? I'm going home to New Zealand. Awesome. And see my best friend. And she just sent me, actually, it was the best. She's made this little calendar of like events of what we're going to do for the yeah, week. Yeah, what I'm a there, legend. And sent it to me. And I'm just, I fucking can't wait. It's the same yeah. thing. Like, yeah, you, you know, you just talk shit. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get on the purse. Yeah. Just have like a fucking human experience with yeah. someone who you fucking love. Yeah. And that's what you need. Like, yeah. it's no more fucking watching each other's Instagram stories. Nah. And it's like, we are in each other's faces and we mm-hmm. like love each other. And this is going to be like the best week. Yeah. And it's like, it's that. It's those experiences. Yeah. You know, oh, you're oh, kind of living between one to the next. Yeah, it's really. awesome. I mean, I'm, I would say to people... Don't get off social media if you can handle it. But if you believe that social media is starting to have an impact on you, why not have a crack and go without it? Yeah, I tend to take little breaks. Yeah, just for a week or so. Like, I mean, with Facebook, for instance, I'm not on Instagram, so I don't have a clue. But with Facebook, you can deactivate your account. You can come back onto it whenever you want. But I would ask people just to contemplate if they are struggling with it, they feel like they're on it at morning and night. You know, as soon as they wake up, they're on it. And as soon as they, and when they're in bed, they're on it before. Ask themselves how well they're sleeping. Because, man, you're, if you're churning and your mind's churning, you don't sleep. Yeah. yeah? But, like, for instance, for me, I deactivated it because, um, we, we, you know, we're on Facebook. You know, the Resilience Project is. And we use it to communicate and put out stories about, you know, whatever it might be, you know, strategies to support anxiety, whatever it may be. And we believe, and it's a really good thing to get that communication out there. But for me, if I have a public talk coming up or something and there's, and I'm not, I don't really want to be up there on, on it, but if there is something on me, I would check it every now and again. And because I would then think, oh, I wonder if someone's written something about me or I wonder if someone said, oh, that was a good presentation. 
mate, I started thinking about it the whole time. And I started going, oh, I've got to check it. I wonder what it is. And since I deactivated it a while ago, mate, I've been in such a better place. And this is my gig. Like, my gig is talking about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, mate, what I'm saying to people is don't beat yourself up if it gets you. Because it gets everyone. Yeah. It gets everyone because that's what it's designed to do. They want us on it the whole time because that's how they get their coin. All right? It, you know, it's through the advertising. Well, yeah, it's like taking drugs and complaining that you're addicted. Like, that's the whole yeah. purpose. Yeah, I mean, Instagram, <laughs> I mean, you, Instagram, listen to us. I mean, you, you go on Instagram and say you want to go on a holiday to Bali whilst you're flicking through the feed. Well, why do you think that oh, villas so pop up the next day? That it does that. Yeah, and it's because they hear the keywords and that's yeah. how they get their money because then they give you these ads and then if you click on them, the people who are advertising through Instagram, they know they've got to cough up some coin at Insta because they've given them the conduit to get you to book the villa. So we've got to be aware of that. Now, if you can deal with that, go for it. But if it's having an impact on you, then I'd say to you, man, there's options. And you're not a weak person, but also have a go. But the whole thing about what the other problem we've got in our world is we're after the quick fix. And that is, whenever there's something that's going on, I want to do something. If someone tells me, give it a go, I'll do it. But if it doesn't work immediately, I'll give up. Yeah, and with the whole gratitude awareness kind of thing like that's not like you start doing it one day and suddenly you feel better no, you gotta, because it's it's developing that awareness yeah. daily yeah it takes right. 21 days to rewire your brain to scan the world for the positive it takes 42 days to develop optimism and stuff like that but it's like it's like winter now you know I mean, we're doing this on what is it the 9th of november and it's bloody freezing yeah man. what the fuck it's like 10 degrees right. but like you know so i've got mates and like it might be me you know during winter you're in hibernation you know you're the bear you know, and you, you, you have the Kit Kat and you have the, you know, the Mars bar before you go to bed before you know it, you think you're a little bit tubby. And so then you're looking at your, your jocks and your speedos and you go, hang on, I've got a bit of stuff hanging over the edge here. And it's, <laughs> it's summertime coming on and I need to get down to the beach and look tip top, you know, when I go down to the Portsea Back Beach. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to join F45. And I'm like, no, you should be F45. Yeah. So shell out your three grand, go in there and, mate, get going. And it's awesome. And I might do that, Right for a month, but then I can't work out why I'm not getting shredded. Well, I then work out why I'm not getting shredded. You still have your Mars bar in a 100%, mate. Yeah. Going to McDonald's and getting a McFlurry <laughs> on the way home. You know, like, you've got to put in. And I, and I think this is what, like, what we've all got to understand is whatever we are good at, we've practised it. Whether that's our career, whether it's a sport, whether it's a hobby, whatever it is, we're good at it or we've improved because we've practised it. We've, we've got in it, we've done it. You know, and, and that's all that is with our, with our head game as well. It's just, you know, if you want to be in a good headspace, you've just got to practice it. And the example I, I give is if we ran a marathon every day for five days straight, I'm tipping most people would be doing a hell of a lot of rehab. You know, you're jumping in the bay, you know, doing some ice baths, stretching, whatever. And we run a marathon every day with our heads and we do no rehab. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. And it's just being aware that maybe, you know, 10 minutes out of your day, um, I don't meditate. I wish I could. See, do you I, find it hard as well? Yeah. so do I. I, I. I don't have the skill set. But what I do do is know that that's not something that I can do, but then find alternatives. And the alternatives for me are listening to meditation when I'm not necessarily meditating, but it's asking me to focus on my breathing. That, for me, works. And I'm just in that zone. And then that might be, like, for me, I love coming in. Coloring is the business for me. Yeah, okay. So coloring cars me down puzzles, you know, origami, 
flow states. Flow states are when you're doing something nice now. And so mine's walking. Yeah, for me, it's yeah. it's it's paddling in my surf ski, going down to the bay when it's choppy and catching some runners, or if I've got the time to get down to Torquay or you know the other side, Point Leo, um, or you know Anglesey, or, or mountain biking. So I take my bike out down the Yarra Boulevard. There's a, um, a dirt track that follows the Yarra goes all through there then I drive out to Listerfield and for me it's it's reconnecting with nature as well yeah that's a really nature's massive it's huge we live in concrete jungles and the biggest one of all is New York City and there was a study done um, a couple of years ago where they had some people suffering from you know some some sort of you know mental illness or whatever it may be like seasonal depression sort of thing similar to when it's dark yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so what they did is they got this group of people who were struggling and they all did exercise but they divide them in half one of them one group did exercise on a treaty so on a treadmill running inside like in any type fitness yeah yeah. Yeah. the other one ran around central park everyone had a spike because that's what exercise does for you but the ones who ran outdoors around Central Park, around Central um, Park, their spike was bigger. Oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. and it's it's massive. And there's other, there's heaps of others as well. Yeah. Where there's studies done where you know it's just like you think about how much better do you feel when you walk along the beach, you know, where you go, yeah, you, know, you go out in the bush, you know, and we we need that. We we need to reconnect with nature. So it's just about knowing that you can do these things, but then investing the time. Yeah, the time for yourself and also the time to spend with others and have that human connection. I find that I'm a lot more one for doing things for myself by myself. Yeah. Because I find that being alone like recharges me mm. and I find having constant social commitments very stressful and I don't yeah. actually like it. Yeah. So for me, a weekend where I have no plans is mm. like my goal. Yeah. And, and, and no, <laughs> so I'm I have to you. force myself, like you said, to like maintain that contact with people and when I'm with people that I care about, I, I love it. Like, I mm. have a great time. But mm. it's that it's just that forcing yourself to actually take that step to message that person and be like, hey, I haven't seen you in a month. Let's catch up. Yeah. But you have this resistance to like, oh, but then I've got to tell them about my life and they're going to ask me about training and they're going to ask me about yeah. my relationship. And you hate having to... Sometimes you just hate having to talk about yourself. Yeah. And that's silly saying that on no, a podcast, but I just don't enjoy no, it. No, and, and I think that's, and it comes back to like what your identity is. And, and when your identity, like I remember when I was like, like when I was straight out of school, I was playing, playing down at St Kilda. And whenever I saw someone like at a nightclub or whatever, um, you know, because you, you're 18, you just, you know, first year out of school, you're just hitting every nightclub you can get your hands on, you know? Yeah. And so we we're smashing you know, um, Chevron and, and Fluid and Redheads and Warehouse and all these places back then. And everyone would come up to you and go, hey, mate, how's footy going? And whenever they asked me that, if footy was going well, I had positive emotions. But when footy wasn't going well, I'd immediately experience negative emotions because exactly what you were saying then, I had to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, that's actually not that great at the moment, whatever it may be. So, and what's really hard is, is when you see people and they just go, they, they don't know you as well, and so they go to how's work, oh, now, yeah, and that cool. one, which is cool, I get that. But how's work going? But because we don't see each other, that's what they go to because we don't know what else to say. Yeah. But we don't get down to the nitty gritty. But if you see people more often and you can be more open about the actual stuff that's happening in your life, I mean, mm. obviously work is definitely a yeah, natural thing and you can talk about it, which is fine. Yeah. But it's the other stuff as well. 
you know, like my, like my brother, you know, now he's, he's, you know, when I say he's my best mate, I've got heaps of best mates. I just call him, he's my best mate. But like, and I'm really fortunate, but like now, you know, he's my best mate. And like we talk and he'll just ring for 30 seconds and hang up on me. Like the other day, he just rang me up because his car got stolen. He picked it up. He goes, I've got my rig back. I've got my rig back. It's so good to be back in the rig, mate. And they just hung up on me. And I know that's how we roll. And yeah. I'll do the same to him. You know what I mean? And there's other times when we have like an, an hour and a half conversation. Um, but it's about getting to that point where you don't have to talk about the superficial stuff. Yeah. And you get into the real stuff. So when he asks me about work, I can actually get into it and go, mate, it was heavy last night. It was full on. I was at this joint and, mate, I had some blokes, men talk to me about some of the stuff they'd been through and it was full on and my heart went out to them and we'll talk about it. Or it might be about, you know, stuff going on in his world or, or my world at home, you know, it might be something with our kids, whatever it may be. But that's when you, you always have those meaningful conversations. Yeah. But the fluff, if you're just going to talk, talk fluff the whole day, Sooner or later, you can't be asked. That's why you just want to stay home. Yeah, I cannot be stuck. Yeah, because I just don't want to go there and just go through the routine. Yeah. I don't want routine. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love routine, but I don't want the routine of just telling the same thing. It's like when you were talking about the presentations before. Yeah. I'm saying the same thing over and over again. That's what I find when someone asks me how training's going, if I don't have that deeper level with them that I can kind of explain it and then understand it. I just hate the question because it's like, oh, mate, how long have you got? Yeah, and the only way you're going to get deeper with that person is by spending time. That's the hard part. You can't be fucked convincing that initial time. So it's like your own fault that you have all these two-dimensional relationships because you're choosing to give like a surface-level amount of information and then kind of... um, ignoring the deeper questions and yeah. because you're like oh you wouldn't understand but it's like yeah. you give the person a chance like maybe they actually exactly and you know and get vulnerable with them yeah you know and and mate i'll tell you what like not everyone will but you open up to someone you get vulnerable you've just given the green light for them to be vulnerable yeah like you've given the green light like at, at, at my bucks party um we, we're i'm not going to go into it too much but we had a bloke who we we went around the circle and we said radio we were at a campfire. We went away for the weekend, just and, um, and just you know camping, and that's all we did. It was unreal. And we sat around a fire, and we said, "Biggest success, biggest failure." And one bloke who turned on up, he didn't know many people, didn't know anyone actually. He was he was Jen, um, one of Jen's um, girlfriend's husband, and he's an absolute legend. And he, you know, and we're all ticking over, not into the gear and like that, but we're drinking long on iced teas after a lot of bloody, you know, coronas and whatnot. And so we were in a good spot in terms of, you know, free-flowing talking shit. And he goes, I'll go first. And he said, biggest failure. And he told this story in front of all of us, 25 blokes, right? And we were all from different hoods. You know what I mean? We weren't all 25 from school or 25 from wherever. All... You know, a, a mixture of blokes. And he told this story that was so vulnerable. Like, he opened up. And, and, and mate, and when he did it, everyone just looked at him. And we all came up and gave him a hug. And he basically gave the green light for all of us to talk about some heavy, heavy shit when it came to failure. And I mean, blokes would go in there, you know, to the depth. Like, the hardest core, most traumatic things have been through in their world. And... Because he gave everyone the green light, he had the courage to go first, and everyone saw that no one judged him for it, the absolute key. He wasn't judged for it. 
that we all looked at him. We actually said, mate, hats off to you. Come here. We're going to give you a cuddle and a hug. And we're being genuine about it. It was amazing because the connection within the group from that moment on was out of control. We, we, we came from all different backgrounds, different demographics, different ages. I you know, got married late. Um, I had you know, people there who were 20 years of age, you know, 44. Some of us were you know, high you know, rollers. Others were like me, just bums. And mate, we were on on mate so tight we were so tight and that the rest of the night we had these these in-depth conversations between blokes and then when we turned up for the wedding mate everyone three weeks four weeks later whatever it was everyone was on then everyone was on and they didn't know each other prior to that bucks party and then boys were soon to go get over here come with me you and me hey and then the great thing about it is they were then with their wives their partners whoever it may be hey this is my partner hey what do you meet them and then there was more connections being built because of a foundation but the foundation never would have been so embedded never would have been so solid if it hadn't been for that one bloke having the balls to go out there full on man that's fucking cold and yet if he had gone and done another way it might have been just fluff, fluff. Yeah. And everyone would have tried to get through it um, quick and sort of get back in the Long Islands. And, you know, another Badooch, one of our best mates, he was cooking a spit. We wanted to get in the suvers. Like, you know, let's go, man. But instead of that, that, that round circle, round table conversation, that went for a couple of hours. And everyone was glued like on the edge of their seat. That's so epic. Listening. And then when everyone shared, Everyone got up and got around that bloke, and there was tears, you know. And um, but we, for us, we can all do that. But geez, that takes guts. Yeah, it takes courage. There's and so much fear around being judged and how people are going to receive what you're going to share. Um, but it's like you know, Brene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. So what she says about um, like vulnerability being a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Yeah. And once, once you learn that and once you realize that, yeah, being honest and telling my story, you know, it might be shit, but whatever, this is me, it really encourages like other people to do the same. Like, that's okay. Yeah. They don't feel like they've got to stick to the surface little stuff. Because like you said, if he just told some kind of half-assed story about like mm. maybe he went for a job and he didn't get it, yeah. like that would have been, that would have set the tone for everyone yeah. else. But because he had the balls to be like raw yeah. and just like spill his guts... Mm. You know, and I guess that's what I will, what I've tried to do with this podcast and my blogs and that is like, there's like nothing really that I won't talk about. There's, um, nothing that I won't share about my past or my experiences and whether it paints me in a bad light or not. Like, I don't care. I'm not trying to paint myself in any particular way at all. I'm just saying this is me. Yeah. These are my experiences. Yeah. And this is how, like, it's changed how I see the world and it's changed um, just me as a person mm. and I'm just telling you the facts like, yeah. you can take from it what you want and your story may be completely different and that's fine mm. you know mm. yeah I mean Brené Brown she talks about armouring up get the armour on but, but then the one for you to remember is she also talks about hey if you want to have a crack at me and you're sitting in the cheap seats then I'm not going to take your criticism on board. Yeah, it's like and the, she arena, talks about, the, yeah, the, the arena. arena. Yeah, and she talks yeah. about, but hey, if you're doing what I'm doing, having the courage to be vulnerable, then I will listen to you every single day of the week. But if you're going to sit there and, and from afar and have a crack at me, then with all due respect, your you, the words that you say mean nothing. 
because because in her what she's basically saying is you haven't got the credibility. Yeah. Now come stand up with me and you get vulnerable and see how hard it is. And I think all of us, this is the one thing we've got to remember, if you think you're perfect, you are kidding yourself. And if you still think you're perfect, listen again, you're not. You're kidding yourself. And that's the hard one, man, because we're all seeing these, you know, you watch shows and TV shows. It's about, you know, smashing it and doing this and nailing it. And, mate, we're all flawed. And it's awesome that we are. But the beautiful thing about being flawed is that, you know what? I've got an opportunity for growth and there might be another human being out there who's got a skill set that is better than mine in the area that I am flawed. But if I hang out with them, I might just get a little bit better and we can support one another. But you know what? On the flipper, I've got a better skill set than they have in a particular area and I can help them as well. And it's just about embracing that, man. Embracing that. Crucial. Like, I mean, I remember, like, I've got, you can't see it if anyone, you know, people listen, but I've got a busted nose. It's so busted, it's we not funny. We can see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, forgot. Yeah, yeah, it's messed up. It's been busted <laughs> like three times. And this is when I was younger, right? Like in my mid-20s. And this this was me worried about stuff. It's, it's a classic. So came back from overseas, couldn't breathe out of it for like a year and a half. But I was overseas. There was no way I was coughing up coin. Came home and basically my one side was blocked. So went in and, and you know, basically get it opened up. Stopped playing, you know, any sport like that so I wasn't going to get nailed again and I saw the surgeon he goes oh by the way when we go under it's simple but do you want me to straighten your nose what you know whilst we're under and I said no way mate do you understand how much shit I will get if I get my nose straightened everyone think I've had a nose job yeah. no, no 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 open it up and keep it busted and you keep this thing crooked as so he, and he looked at me like I was a fruit loop like he's like mate I've just got to tweak it it's all it is like your nose is pretty bent mate I'll just do that you'll be out cold you won't no, I said, no, mate, I'm serious. Do not do it. I'll cough so much shit from me. It's really funny. So anyway, went and had it done, right? Had, you know, the black eyes, had all the things up there, the, the, the dry blood, and your nose was humongous. And I came out of it, and all my mates heard that I declined to get my nose straightened, and they gave me non-stop shit for not getting my nose oh my straightened. God. You know what I mean? So, so I, like, whatever you do, man, Whatever you do, it's not always going to work out the way you want it. So why not just, you know, roll with it. And if there's something that you want to do, do it and, and go for it. And know that, you know, you are who you are, man. You are who you are and get it done. I'm not saying get a nose job. I'm just saying get whatever it is you want to do done and know that there'll be some consequences to it possibly. But more often than not, you're going to be all right from it. You're going to be all right. So the harder you try, sometimes you don't get what you want. I was trying hard not to get grief. Yeah, I got grief no matter what, man. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I think that's and that, that and that's hard for for people to to come across and to get a grip of. And I I totally get that. I'm not saying I was born that way, uh, but through life experiences, uh, it gives you an opportunity to be more and more comfortable in your skin because you know you have been. Yeah. And you've come out the other side. That's, That's so okay. fucking true. Yeah, like I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I've had work colleagues who, who didn't rate the way I roll, you know, and and I've got you know no issue with that because they're entitled to that. Yeah. All right, they're not a bad person for not liking me. They just don't like me. Um, oh, I've got plenty of people who don't like me. And it's just that's just <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so um, but I but I also know that every morning when I look myself in the mirror, if I'm being true to my morals and my values. Then I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna keep rolling. I've got mine written on my mirror. Yeah. 
authenticity courage and discipline and as long as i come home every day i look at those words and i'm like you know i'm not going to be 10 out of 10 on all three of them every day yeah but i got to give it a fucking fair crack every day yeah that's it 100 percent. and that's the thing i mean and i I use this to stimulate or to i suppose to 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 make sure that i that i you know when i do my my presentations and working with kids and adults is that I say to myself, every single time I get up on that stage, I'm being judged. And I know it. Like, I am. And I get judged. As soon as I walk into a corporate gig, wherever it may be, schools, they're looking at me. And for whatever reason, they might be, oh, no, not this bloke. Or who's this bloke? Or whatever's going on. I'm getting judged. But what I say to myself is that every time I'm on that stage, because I'm getting judged, I'm going full throttle. I'm giving everything I've got. Now... Some days everything I've got is less or more than other days. But in that moment in time, I'm giving all that I've got because I know that if I can connect with one person in this room, whether there's a thousand people in the room or five, there might be one person in that room who might need help and this might be a prezzo that might help them. So I'll be damned if I'm not going to give it all my all because if I walk out of that room, whether I know it or not, and one person's benefited from it, then mate, I've done my job, you know, and that's how I pride myself, and I, and and, I, and what I ask of myself every time is to just just to bring it, man, just to bring it, because that's what I'd want from someone else if they were doing my gig and my wife and my kids and my family and my best mates were in the room. Yeah. So if I'm gonna want that from someone else, then I'd bloody well better bring it myself. You know, and for whatever for whatever we do, um, I think it's really important that we we understand that. You know, oh, I used to get pissed off with in education, and I'm not talking about the school that I worked at because you know I'd see you know I see it in lots of schools. When I see there are so many amazing teachers out there, and what pees me off is that teachers get a really bad rap, all right, because. Um, because of the actions of an individual. Yeah. yeah, but mate, you show me a profession where there aren't good, bad or indifferent people in it. Yeah, it's true. But what, what, I, what I get pissed off about, and I understand from the teacher's point of view where they've come from and why they're at that stage, is that, is that when they've checked out, but they're still teaching. And I understand why. Because they fear change. They don't believe that their skill set can be transferable to other occupations, and it can. Teachers are amazing, right? and they, their skill set can transfer elsewhere. But they, they, they might have been in the game for a while, and they've got three years till they retire, and they want the super. Yeah. And, I, and I get all that. And I, you know what? I don't, I, if I was in their situation, I'm not saying I'd be any different, because I can't say that I'm... How can I say it until I'm in their shoes? So, well, I think that's but, just a good yeah, general rule, yeah, right? Is but, you don't know how someone else no, feels. No, 100%. The issue I've got with it, and I wish it was different, is that the one thing with teaching is that you have an impact on kids. And kids know whether you're bringing your A game every day. Now, if you're in an office job or anything like that, it might be an impact on you know other colleagues or numbers or whatever it may be, but it's not on a kid. Yeah. And, and our kids today, they need people bringing their A game for them and show them that life is good and there's and life is also bad but you can get life that's good as well if you know what to do but also have a zest for life you know learning's unreal man be who you are be proud of who you are know that you're in a room of 21 individuals 
who have different strengths and weaknesses. But when we come together as a team, we're on. We help each other out. But make it enjoyable for them and be there for them. But when, like anywhere, in any environment, like if I came, if you were my PT, yeah, and I came to the gym and you were my personal PT and you didn't bring in enthusiasm, mate, after a while I'm done with you. Because you're, mate, I'm, try, I'm struggling yeah, to get out of bed, 100%. man. To, I'm, and you, you want me to do sets of eight on that? Like, mate, come on, give me something, yeah? yeah? That's a teacher, right? The teacher's got to motivate the kids. That's a leader in any organisation. You've got to motivate your staff. So once we check out and we're leading human beings, then that's having an impact, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a PT, whether it's a leader in an organisation, you're having an impact on another human being. And it causes a domino effect, right? So just the way that you're influencing uh, people in the sporting clubs and the schools and the corporate organisations that you go to, that's having a flow-on effect to their partners, their friends, their, their colleagues. So your mindset and, and how you like affect your environment, that affects other people. Totally. So yeah. don't be a dick. No, oh, well, that'd be <laughs> number one. No, but like seriously, it's spot on. Yeah, and and know that know that um know that 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 for all of us, whatever your job is, or you know, or you know, if you're a kid, mate, we're privileged because we get to have an impact on another human being, you know. And so and so, I, like what I'd say is that so when I see like for instance teachers who feel like that, then I'm not pissed off with them, even though I said it was before. I'm pissed <laughs> off with the situation. Yeah, for sure. But like what I am saying is that I've got an opportunity, hopefully, maybe. To, to, to maybe motivate them to, to rediscover yeah to yeah. rediscover their their why they started teaching um, and to understand that there's some really good things about being a teacher for instance and to get back on board man and go for it with the kids and rediscover the flame or it or might maybe be move on yeah and do something out, but like go and be happy like don't be in the job. Whatever the job is not be happy or a relationship or in any situation yeah. where you're no longer feeling like it's giving you anything. Yeah, because it's safe, know. man. And like, yeah. you know, I've got I've got friends who do who are in jobs and they can't they, they don't want to do the job anymore, but they've got a massive mortgage, right? And they got that mortgage when they got this job, and that job is bringing in the coin to pay for the mortgage and to support their lifestyle, whatever that is. But they want to do another job. I've got a mate who's a lawyer, hates it, wants to be a teacher. I was like. Do it, man. It'll be unreal. Yeah. Mate, amazing. Go for it. It's unreal. It's the best job. He can't do it because he can't drop from the 250 plus to 80 grand. Oh, man, that would be because up, Because, because he's, got, he's got this mortgage and 80K is not going to cover his kids' education um, and his, him and his family's lifestyle and the mortgage. And, and I, I get that. I, 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 mate, I, I, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. But That's why it's, I mean, you can kind of understand people who do get into those situations 100%. and they don't leave because yeah. they have constructed this lifestyle for themselves that is like a prison almost. Yeah. You know, it might be a nice prison, yeah. but it's still a fucking prison yeah. if you don't feel like you can be yourself, yeah. which is the whole point, right? Yeah, it is. But if you're going to spend, let's say, 12 hours a day, eight hours a day in an environment that gives you negative emotions five days a week, then I would say to you, hey, it's going to get you sooner or later. Yeah, and when I say get you, I'm not talking about depression. I'm I'm not saying I'm saying a negative emotion is going to get you now because because that's your world, and and we're not saying every job is always going to have positive emotions, but more often than not, if you follow your heart and you go for something that you're passionate about, 
then it can work out. Now, coin, that's my argument to teachers is, mate, you knew how much you are getting when you came into this gig. Yeah. So don't you whinge about the coin. Do not whinge about the coin. Like When I started teaching, I knew that what the coin was. So, mate, if you want to whinge about the coin, go do another job. All right? But if you're in a job that is fulfilling your world, is giving you connections, is allowing you to influence the next generation, to be with kids who become your best mates over a year and you start mimicking their behaviours because you're spending so much time with them and you see them in the neck of the woods and you go, Muzzy, you legend, love your brother. And that's a kid you used to teach in grade one, twos, now in year 12, man. And you still see them, you still hang out with them and you're proud to be there with them and they give you some positive emotions back. Then, mate, that's the stuff to value. And the money side of it, you've got to work out how to deal with that. But, mate, from my point of view is that's getting me by. But it's, it's giving me all these positive emotions. So that's adding, what I focus adding on. Adding to the world rather oh, than mate. taking away from it. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. So for people, maybe you can downsize. Maybe give up something. Maybe get rid of the rangey. Maybe. Yeah? Maybe. I know. I don't know if you bought it brand new. And when you walked out of there, well, you've already lost 20K. But, mate, you should have known that when you bought it. But, like, you know, you can get, like, a seven-seater elsewhere. Go it's not like you're losing hand. Graham, right? No, exactly. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Have you lost him again? No, no, he's no. he's around. Oh, he's um, right. I think he's probably asleep. That's yeah. what he normally does on Saturdays. But no, so there's um, there's things you can do. You just got to have the courage to go and chase it. I fucking love everything you said. No, this I has think been it's time. the best best chat. Do you have um, just one parting mind gold that you would like to share? If you could give one piece of advice to everyone listening, um, to how to how to improve their well being, because we're not using the word wellness. Um, today, what's something they could do today, like one step? I mean, um, just one thing they could do is get in contact with their loved one, whoever it may be, wherever they may be, face to face, text message, on you know, email, phone, ring them up, voice messages, tell them how much you love them. I love it because I just think about it if someone rang you up now and told you how much they cared about you, what emotions would you, you feel? And if that's the emotions you feel, then, mate, you've got an opportunity to give those emotions to someone else. So why wouldn't your body do it? Spread you've got the, the opportunity. Yeah, man, just tell them how much you care about them. Tell them that you're there for them. Um, and and um, you never know. It might come back your way. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. You're Thank you for time. You are, mate. Thanks so much for the tea, um, the golden you're cup. You're so welcome. Yep. Guys, if you're interested, which you obviously should be, and all of what Marty said, you can check out the Resilience Project on Facebook. <laughs> but he yeah. won't know about it. Oh right, no! You can go to Facebook um, Resilience Project and follow us. We do public talks. Um, we got a website, theresiliencesproject.com.au. No Instagram for Marty though. So we we have an Instagram account. But the Resilience Project. Yeah, but I don't do it. No. Thank you so <laughs> much. You're a fucking legend. As are you. Have the best weekend ever. Cheers.